perfect timing. Welcome back to another episode of Stacking Denny's. I'm Jordan McAbee of FantasyRacingOnline.com. My co-host, Nick Giffen, drinking a beer from the Action Network. Five races into the 2022 NASCAR playoffs this season, and we finally get a playoff winner in victory lane. Chase Elliott getting the win at Talladega Super Speedway. Ryan Blaney coming home second. Michael McDowell third. And an overall tame race in a, in a, you know, a series of weeks that injuries and, and concussions have been a big talk and, and the safety of these cars. Uh, Nick, overall, what do you think of this Talladega race? You know, the the Xfinity race on Saturday, we we saw for the first time ever every single car that started the race also finished the race, um, and then we pretty much saw the same thing in the Cup race on Sunday. We had that that minor dust up with a, with a group of drivers, but most of them actually ended up coming back and and finishing on the lead lap and finishing up front. Did not see what we typically see out of Super Speedways, which I personally think tends to be a little more common here in this in the second Talladega race, the playoff race, because I feel like drivers really don't want to mess up other people's championship hopes. But um, what do you think of that race? Did, did any did we learn anything? Did uh, did it really matter other than, you know, Chase Elliott is officially locked into the round of eight? Yeah, I mean, it. I thought the Xfinity race was interesting because I don't think there were, you know, necessarily the safety concerns that we had been talking about in the cup series with the concussions and injuries and stuff like that. So the fact that, you know, every single driver finished the race, I thought was, was kind of interesting there because uh, it just speaks to the style of racing we see in these playoffs when it's the middle race of the playoffs. And I actually had gone back and looked at like drivers finishing on the lead lap during this race. There were 31 last year, but of course it was rain shortened uh, for the cup series. But before that, there was still a good amount. I think there was like 29 in 2018, uh, and there was one year it was like 13. But overall, it tends to be more. It tends to be in the 20s. We had that 31 last year. Again, rain short and caveat. And this year, we had 27 on the lead lap. So I think it's just a tamer race because of where it sits in the schedule. Uh, drivers are not willing to take as many chances because, you know, obviously playoff drivers especially, because it's so much more important for them to not eliminate themselves by wrecking out. And then, I mean, not eliminate, but then forcing yourself to have to win at the Charlotte Roval, especially if you haven't been great at the road courses this year. Maybe somebody like a Joey Logano. That's why he took it so conservative at the end of this race. And drivers just weren't willing to throw enormous blocks, make risky moves to to push the driver in front of them way too hard. Uh, and as a result, you saw the race that we got. And I thought it was a good race. I mean, there was still racing. It definitely reminded me, again, of a, a, almost two weeks in a row now, it reminded me of like a classic like mid-90s, late-90s super speedway race where the draft was different with those cars and the restrictor plates. Now we have a tapered spacer. By the way, it still triggers me every time somebody says plate race is not a plate race. It is a tapered <laughs> spacer race now. It's such uh, a habit. But, I know. It's that's why I call them super speedway races or drafting tracks if we're throwing Atlanta in there. Right. Uh so uh but I definitely and I see it all the time to this day plate races and it just it 
the tapered spacers much thicker and the holes taper off They're They're not plates anymore, but anyway, um, random aside there, but, uh, I think it's just a product of where it is in the schedule. If it was, if this Talladega race was the, the cutoff race for the playoffs or yeah. a cutoff race for, uh, any of the rounds of the playoffs, we'd see mayhem. Like it was when it was a cutoff race. Remember Kevin Harvick wrecked the field because his, uh, engine was blowing on a late restart and he intentionally dumped the whole field just so he could retain his spot and went in, in advance with a, a sour engine. So uh, it's a product of, of the schedule. But, I mean, I still thought it was a good race. It was entertaining. Um, they were side-by-side side the whole time. It was hard to pass uh, in terms of, like, you, obviously you could pass, but you had to work for it. You couldn't come from 20th to 5th in a lap or, or two, whereas in certain styles of drafting in the past several years – you could if you got the right run and the right help and everything. Uh, it, just not like that now. You can still make passes, but it was more like you had to work together really hard with a team of drivers to to make things happen. Unless you're in the front couple of rows there, then as long as you had a little bit of help, you could you could definitely make some passes. But it was uh, I don't know. I thought it was a good race, um, but it certainly wasn't like the best race I've ever seen uh, at Talladega or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And it, it was still a super speedway race. I mean, you know, we have McDowell finishing third, our boy Todd Gillen coming home seventh, Landon Castle ended up 11th in that Spire car. Like, it's still, the, the lower teams can still compete in these. Uh, had Noah Gregson finishing 19th. Of course, he was in that 48 car for Alex Bowman, who, uh, you know, news broke after we recorded last week that he was sidelined with a concussion. Um, Gregson's also going to be running for him this week at the Charlotte Roval. And I personally think it's going to be like Kurt Busch. I don't think we're going to see Alex Bowman race again this year. And it's, that's one of the topics, you know, concussions are a big, big topic in sports right now, especially, you know, NFL with the, with the two injury. Um, and now, you know, NASCAR has two drivers out, two big drivers out with concussions. I, and, and this is something like, I don't expect an answer, but I kind of just want to pick your brain. Like, you know, we see these NFL players come back a week, four days after after a concussion, and then these NASCAR drivers are sidelined for months. Do you think it's because – why do you think that is? The culture. Um, I think yeah. Dale Jr. was a champion for culture change in NASCAR with his own concussion issues. And the drivers, they all talk to each other. They Even – if they're not the best of friends, they all talk to each other and they all still at the end of the day want to look out for each other and make sure each other are healthy. Uh, and you know, not that the NFL doesn't have that either, but it's just a different culture there where teams are rushing to get players back as soon as they're ready to go and maybe over jump it a little bit. Um, but I think Dale Jr. really changed the culture around this. And I think that's fantastic. Um, to your point here about Alex Bowman, if he does miss the rest of the season, obviously it was announced today that Noah Gregson would be filling in for that 48 again this weekend after Gregson said he wasn't going to be racing any more cup this year. <laughs> yeah. I am curious, will it continue to be Gregson going forward? I think it would be good for his career development, but at the same time, he also said he wants to focus on Xfinity. There could be some contractual things in place. So I don't know what's going to happen there if Bowman decides to sit out the rest of the season. In my opinion, Bowman should sit out the rest of the season simply because it guarantees them the whole time to continue to heal and gives them eight, nine, ten, whatever it is, months from now to get back into the car and be ready because he has nothing to gain at this point. He's obviously out of a championship fight. So why not just take the time to rest up? You're still under contract. You had a great season, a very, very, very good season. And, uh, you know, I think that's my personal opinion. Even if you're 
ready to go, let's say, you know, no symptoms, anything like that, just take the rest of the year off. You may as well. Um, mm, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it, I think the difference between the NFL and NASCAR is just the culture. And I think the real champion for change in all of that was Dale Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of Alex Bowman, like he's out of the playoffs after, the, after this race. And so he's, it's kind of like a free square that we get, um, when we make our predictions later in this episode, but um, looking at the points, Chase Briscoe, Austin Cindric currently tied for that eighth spot. William Byron, 11 points below the cut line. This is going to be fun to watch because Byron's been really strong here at the Charlotte Roval. Obviously Cindric and Briscoe are very good road course racers. And then, you know, nobody's really safe. Like one issue from any of the other, uh, any of the, uh, 10 guys that are still that could still make it uh that are that aren't eliminated or like chase elliott already guaranteed a spot any issue any early issue could ruin this and and really you know throw things through a loop here this weekend um another uh quick thing before we talk about championship uh just going through the news from this week aj allmendinger Full-time, coming back full-time in Cup Series next year for Colin Grayson driving that 16 car. I have my own opinions on A.J. Allmendinger. I People are like, people are so excited that he's going to be back in a Cup car. Um, you know, my opinion is he's failed at it multiple times before. I don't understand why we're excited about it again. Um, he's not a good Cup driver, in my opinion. He, he can go there and he can do well in the Xfinity Series. Still hasn't come close to a championship, but... Um, I don't understand the hype with Almendinger, you know, coming back to Cup. Are you are you excited about it or is it really nothing? No, nah, I'm not. I'm not excited about it. it is, it's whatever. I mean, probably uh, unless that team as a whole takes you know just a step forward in equipment and ability to compete, uh, Almendinger is going to be running in the you know the teens and twenties probably most of the year uh, outside of the road courses and and I guess the super speedways, but. That's just uh, where Colleg Racing stands, and he's not a driver that has ever shown in the Cup Series that he's going to blow your doors off outside of maybe, like I said, the road courses, super speedways, and Martinsville. Uh, and, and he was good at Martinsville this year. He just you know had that penalty to start the race. Uh, so I am curious to see how he'll do at Martinsville, hopefully without a penalty, and hopefully maybe a little bit more ability to pass, although I'm not optimistic on that front because they haven't really made any changes to these cars. But, uh, you know, I, he's... He's just a guy that he's good. He's not great. He's fine. Um, and it doesn't really change anything as far as colleague itself goes. Uh, that all is going to have to come from equipment and ability to compete more because I don't think Justin Haley or AJ Allmendinger are drivers that are going to um, be like, you know, super threats to win and outperform their equipment. So they're really going to need to step up their equipment if they're going to have a chance to compete inside the top 10 a lot of weeks. Um, yeah. You know, like, and Haley has had some top 10s or whatever, but it's not been outperforming his equipment most of the time. It's A lot of it's been consistency. Mm. Yeah, A.J. Almaner is one of those guys that we know who he is. Like, it's, it's nothing. Plus, he's 40 years old. Like, mm-hmm. he's not going to suddenly get – significantly better but um going back to championship talk you know christopher bell was on the pole at talladega last week did not lead a single lap did not get any stage points and he's now 33 points below the cut line um if nothing crazy happens to anybody else he can pretty much consider christopher bell in a must-win position at charlotte roval in my opinion uh william byron 11 points below the cut line like i said he's been very strong at charlotte roval in the past um 
can definitely run up front, but he's going to need to have a mistake-free race to get into the playoffs. And still, Austin Cedric, Chase Briscoe uh, are both very solid road course racers. So this is setting up to be a a a great week coming up for this for this second round cutoff. Um, anybody, and, uh, I was going to say we get the William Byron penalty potential it's, reduction. If that's ooh. ten points off, then he's one point back. You know, I was thinking maybe they reduce it ten points. Was my like. I think is a fair hypothesis. Yeah. There'd be three drivers within one point. <laughs> That'd be funny if NASCAR did that just for the, for the drama, you know, mm-hmm. this is when I support points as they run, by the way, it's like a yes. situation like this. But, um, as far as the guys, you know, Suarez, Larson, Logano, Hamlin, Chastain, Blaney, any guys that, that are in your mind, not very safe unless something crazy happens, you know, or are, are, are we on board with these guys are pretty solid heading into the Roval race? I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, I, I'm not sure who's safe. Like Kyle Larson last year had an even bigger lead than he, you know, gap to the cut line than he had uh, this year. And last year his battery started dying early in the yeah. race. Luckily it was early in the race and they were able to fix it. And he ended up actually coming back and winning because it actually ended up almost helping his strategy by the way he had to pit relative to the stages. Uh, but, you know, we could see, I mean, we saw it uh, at Bristol. Blaney was 30, whatever, probably 32 points to the good and he almost didn't win, you know, make it through. Uh, mm-hmm. This is a race where things can happen. We've seen crashes and, and problems uh, happen at the Roval. Now, it hasn't happened to Blaney. He's finished inside the top 10 every single Roval race that has existed uh, at the Charlotte Roval. But, uh, you know, it doesn't mean it couldn't happen this time. Uh, why couldn't, you know, with all the tire issues we've had this year, why couldn't he blow a tire on the banking, you know, and, and wreck as the first car out? So right. I don't think people are safe. Um, I certainly don't think they have to worry a ton. And I know Bob Pockris has tweeted a few times this week uh, about the different playoff clinching scenarios. As long as Blaney, I think it was finishes like uh, fourth or better, he's guaranteed to go through. But there's some other things. Like I was looking at Kyle Larson. If he gets, let's say, a combined 10 stage points, then all he needs is to finish, I think it's like ninth or better. But even then, that would require the perfect scenario where Christopher Bell wins and some other guys overtake him. So he probably, if he gets like 10 stage points, which is just finishing fifth and fifth in the stages, he probably just needs to finish like 13th or 14th. So there's no incentive to just go balls to the wall here. It's grab the stage points, get your nice top 10, and you're through. That's that's the incentive for guys like Kyle Larson, Daniel Suarez, Joey Logano, Denny Hamlin, uh, possibly even a Ross Chastain. I mean, if Ross Chastain grabs 10 playoff points, uh, or 10 stage points, I should say. Um, he's sitting super pretty. He probably just has to finish inside the top 20. So grab your freaking stage points if you're these drivers. That's what you absolutely have to do, even if you're Blaney, right? If you're Blaney and you grab 10 stage points, you're golden pretty much. You're set. Like, there's almost no way you're not advancing. So just grab the stage points. The first priority is to advance. Then the priority after that is, well, if I can grab some playoff points, I may as well try to. But the absolute number one priority has to be to advance. We've seen so many times drivers throw it away. We saw Jimmy Johnson throw away advancing to the next round, trying to pass Martin Truex Jr. for the win. He was locked in. He was absolutely locked in if he finishes second to the next round. 
Instead, he wrecks, he finishes whatever it was. I forget what the exact placing was, but he lost exactly then, the number of spots yeah. where Kyle Larson in a broken ass car yeah. after his wreck drilled the wall makes it ahead of Johnson because Johnson was too reckless. Don't be dumb. Play it smart, play it safe, grab your points. You know what's wild is the previous road courses this year, we've always talked about the strategy being not or pitting before the end of the stage and now all of a sudden the strategy is not pitting for these playoff drivers which you know the strategies in and of themselves are betters and dfs players all have to take this shit into consideration which i don't particularly like like i'm not super excited about betting or playing dfs for this race because all of the stuff that's going on and you don't really know what any of these teams are actually going to do you know like we can sit here and say like this is the smartest thing but they could say you know we could get the win the only thing we know is chase elliott doesn't need to worry about stage points he can go for the optimal strategy of getting this win and christopher bell basically has to that's two things and everybody else and everybody else can go for the win that's outside the playoffs but chase elliott and christopher bell as far as playoff drivers those are the ones that are going for the win um and just a quick note, because you mentioned Blaney, who's finished top 10 in every single start here at the Roval. Uh, do a little trivia early. Usually I wait for later in the podcast to do this, but four races here at Charlotte Roval that we've ran, there's three drivers that have finished top 10 each time. Who are they? Uh, Blaney, Logano, and the guy who is not racing, uh, Alex Bowman. There you go. Do you have it right in front of you or something? No, I just uh, <laughs> saw it earlier on Twitter or something like that, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's uh, it's an interesting race because, and I'm sure we'll talk about it, but, well, hell, let's talk about it now. DraftKings yeah. came out with super generous lines early in the week uh, when they, so Westgate opened first, and Westgate opened Chase Elliott at three and a half to one, and Tyler Reddick at five to one. They opened about... 20 to 30 minutes, I think, before DraftKings did. Uh, maybe even a little more. And then DraftKings opened, and they had Elliott at 7.5 to 1. Which and is... Reddick at 8 to 1. Which is crazy. And the thing I loved about it, not only did I love their price, but I love the fact that both Elliott, obviously being locked in, and Reddick, who is now out of the playoffs, can both just go for the win. Mm-hmm. So I absolutely bet those two. And then Christopher Busher, they opened 30 to 1. Also a driver who could just go for the win and who actually uh, was, I think he opened 25 to 1 at Westgate, if I remember correctly, and then got bet immediately down to like 20 to 1. But uh, DraftKings opened him 30 to 1, and then he got bet down pretty quickly to 25 to 1, but I grabbed him at 30 to 1. So uh, three drivers. And so I'm actually super excited about this race. I know you're like, well, I'm not in love with betting this race, but I'm super excited because Jumped on the lines right when they opened. I thought we got great numbers on three drivers that can just go for the win. Yeah, I'd be excited if I could actually fucking bet on DraftKings, but I can't. Yeah, so it's kind of it's kind of squashed my uh, my excitement yeah, for betting like uh, as of late. But you know, Chase Elliott's won two of the four races here. Um, Ryan Blaney's won the other one, and Kyle Larson has a win here as well. So, but you know, with the way this season's going, yeah, those those lines are. I would have hopped all over them if I was able to. You know, Reddick has been arguably been the best on road courses this year. Uh, Chase Elliott is Chase Elliott, and you know, Chris Busher has been surprisingly good. I, I I'm surprised that they that he opened as long as he did. I mean, he has a third place finish here at, at Charlotte Roval here in the past. So, um, 
definitely i i, I wouldn't i'd say i would not be that surprised if chris busher was uh contending for a win another guy that you know I, I, what was the last uh road course race was that watkins Glen? yes yeah so and that was the race where rain tires i'm trying to remember here quick uh rain tires came into play uh our boy todd gilland actually had a really good race partially on strategy but he also had a little bit of speed um is that someone that you think we could see do decently well here coming off that seventh place finish at talladega yeah, possibly. I mean, and we also, you know, he he got that top ten, like thirty to one or whatever it was at Indy Road Course, and of mm-hmm. course now DraftKings is chicken shit scared. They won't list anybody at thirty to one <laughs> for a top ten. Uh, I think I, I did think I get it at Fanduel. I mean, basically since the million dollar parlay, top tens have just been absolute garbage across the board. There's been a few spots, but by and large, top tens have been rough since the million dollar parlay. Uh, I think. They learned their lesson from the Indy Road course as, re- as well because top 10s this week are horrible. Like the back markers, the ship boxes are 25 to 1 at the longest. I know initially DraftKings had them 35 to 1, and then they like, I guess they finally saw that Westgate had like lines up and they were like, they took down their odds for, I don't know, 20 minutes. And then they post them back up and then the top of the board moved much closer to what Westgate was at. Again, they were probably like, oh, fuck mode. And <laughs> it was annoying because then they dropped all the top 10s from 35 to 1 down to 25 to 1 as well. They changed a couple of the top manufacturer ones, all ones that I was eyeing, and I just uh, it was contemplating betting on them, and all of a sudden they took it down and just fixed everything, I guess, air quote fixed. But uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think Todd Gillen could do well. I think um, a guy who's been running well is Cole Custer at these, yes. at these road courses. I'm Always a sleeper. Him. Yeah, absolutely. And he's he's been very good. He's been very good at, at specifically at the Roval as well. Uh, I think, you know, there's certainly potential for always for like a Joey hand to sneak in there. Uh, so we'll just have to see. I, I know as far as um, the Indy road course, both Todd Gilliland and Harrison Burton showed some good speed as well. And they qualified well in practice and qualifying. And, and for the fact that they were 31, even after qualifying or 34 to one in Burton's case was, was crazy. So uh, while I don't have any uh, top 10 bets right now, I certainly think there's the potential for some value to open up if books aren't scared as shit. But right now, it's rough It's rough sledding out there for, for any sort of top 10 value. And I think the outright market has balanced itself out pretty well. I have to write up a best bet for, um, for Action Network, uh, which I usually do on Wednesday mornings. And... I'm not sure what I'm going to write up right now because the market <laughs> has certainly corrected uh, or worked itself out to what I think is pretty fair value across the board. So it, it's pretty tough sledding. Um, and I'm not going to write up a matchup because PJ took the matchup uh, and you know either he or I will write the matchup and the other one will write a best non-matchup bet. And so I'm just going to have to try to figure out what I like best out there. But the market certainly has gotten, I would say, a lot sharper uh, – across all the books and part of that is them being scared part of that is we have a lot of road course data to work with and part of that is uh i think betters obviously um move the market in the right direction as well yeah these are typically the weeks where like you know we've done it before like bubba wallace top toyota getting him at like 100 to 1 odds 15 to 1 on DraftKings, like not do not bet that I know we've talked about this in the past. Do not bet Bubba Wallace fifteen to one top Toyota. It's not going to happen. Um, yeah. 
and it's not uh, worth that. That's actually one of the ones I was talking about was uh, Ty Gibbs was 30 to 1 at DraftKings. I was like, I should probably bet that for Top Toyota. And right as I was like, okay, I'm going to go bet that, they pulled down the lines. <laughs> yeah, of course. Damn, and then they um, reopened 15. I'm like, no, I can't bet that now. <laughs> but yeah, like you said, we like, and, and it's been the case, I think, for most road course races outside of Indy. Indy was a little bit of a shit show, but uh, most road course races, like, we know who's fast. The, like, it, it really hasn't changed that much. And it hasn't changed since the beginning of the season. As soon as, you know, Chastain went out there and, and Trackhouse had all that speed in the first road course race, it's been about the same all year. I think the only people that really made gains was, I think Toyota's made gains over the last couple of road course races. And actually Chase Elliott, I think has gotten a little bit faster over the last couple of road course races. But other than that, you know, it's, uh, not I will to, say after the, the, Coda race. There was that Watkins Glen test, and and I know RFK made those gains. And Busher has been four for four yeah. in top ten since, and he finished third here last year. So I really like that Busher top ten. That was the one I did take. It was minus one hundred five at the time. I'm not. I think it's moved since then. It actually he opened up even money, and I wasn't able to grab it at even money when DraftKings pulled their lines down and then pulled them back up. I grabbed them at uh, minus one hundred five. Looks like the shortest now is minus one ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I still think is, I still think there's value there at minus 110. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I would still bet it at minus 110. Um, but it's certainly, I would love to have had even money on that. I know I've seen people on Michael McDowell plus uh, 120. The sh- the longest now is uh, plus 105 that I see. Don't think I would bet it at plus 105. Um, not because I don't think he's good. I think the issue for me is the Roval part of it because you probably still need to make some horsepower going around the, the actual oval part of it. And not that I don't think, you know, they can because he's had plenty of good finishes. Uh, I just think, again, it's going to have to be a thing where he survives to, to potentially do it. But I think I'm, I really like betting that at plus 120, the McDowell top 10. Plus 105, I think I'm probably going to pass. But it's pretty borderline. I still don't, I don't hate that bet. I just don't think I would make that myself. But those are like the two top 10s I saw that I was like, yeah, I could consider those. Um I could consider Custer at three and a half to one. He opened four mm-hmm. to one, but again, I still don't think I'm going to do it. Uh, but I don't. Yeah, I mean the market's balanced out really well this week, and and again, it's a it's a whole bunch of reasons why uh, it's the books being scared. It's the market, um, you know, moved in the right direction by betters. It's all all the data we have this year at road courses, which has largely been very similar. Um, but you're right, the Toyotas have progressed. And I do think, um, I shouldn't say RFK has progressed because they've been really good for four in a row, but I think that was after Coda. They made a big leap from that Watkins Glen test. Yeah. Um, consensus favorite among books, Chase Elliott, five to one. Can't get him better anywhere else. Tyler Reddick, six to one. Uh, both of them opened up quite a bit longer, but since moved down. Kyle Larson at eight to one. And then AJ Allman there. Um, Consensus number four among books. You agree with that? Because I'm not there. I agree with it because he's so good at this particular track. This track for him is money. Uh, He is so good here, Uh, especially his Xfinity record. I would probably make him tied number four with, like, Ross, who isn't number four right now. Uh, I'd probably make him number four with, like, Ross and Cindric. I think. Um, if I had to set odds myself, mm-hmm. I'd set them all at like 
I wouldn't say twelve to one, but I'd set them all at like fourteen to one or something. I, uh, you know me when it comes to Almondinger, I just hate on him because I do. Uh, I haven't looked up his um, Xfinity record here. I still he blew an engine last year or last time he raced here in the Cup Series, and then his mm-hmm. first start here he ended up seventh um, after yeah. starting second. So but that um, was in JTG stuff, right? Um. Yes. Which, not to say he couldn't win in that, but I mean, because he did. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think I think with this car, it also is an extra benefit for him because we've seen him be super competitive this year at the road courses, like legitimately top five competitive uh, running up front. But um, yeah, I think actually, I, if, I mean, if I was setting odds and I was the bookmakers, I'd like throw an enticing price actually on an Austin Cindric. I'd probably put him in like 18 or, or something, 20, because I know of the playoff scenario here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'd probably try to throw a really enticing price on him and get betters on him and then move him down to 16 after they bet him down there because I think I could make a lot of money as a sports book doing that because I don't think he's going to win this race. I think he's going to be very focused on trying to maximize his points, which isn't going to be optimal come that final stage. Yeah. Um, going back to Almaner, he finished second at Watkins Glen, uh, seventh at Indy Road Course this year in the Cup Series, ninth at Road America. As far as his Xfinity record, yeah, he's pretty damn good here. Three for three when it comes to wins. Won every single start that he's ran here in the Xfinity Series. So definitely, I think someone to keep an eye on this week. Uh, Like I said, I'm not there, but that's just partially my hating on him as as a a, uh, being me. Um, (laughs) What what about a guy like William Byron, who's, like I said, has been really solid here at the Charlotte Roval? in his career as far as definitely as far as um, qualifying um, and just overall having speed. He's finished in the top, top 10 in all six of the last six stages. I really like Byron here and he's been really good at some of the road courses this year. I think the Indy Roval, he showed, showed really well as well. Like it's not, I I wouldn't say it's a Roval for Indy, but the Indy road course, uh, he was really good. And I really like Byron here. The issue is the points, right? Uh, We'll have to wait and see, I think, what happens with this appeal because I'm I don't want to bet him at 16 to one if he's gonna all of a sudden be one point out or or have it completely rescinded and now he's absolutely points racing you know it, it it's one of those scenarios where I'm waiting for more news on that front because I do like 16 to one on him uh which you can get at at the Canby books bet rivers etc but uh I don't like not knowing his situation so if he's minus 11, it's almost to the point where he probably has to go for the win. And then I wouldn't mind a 16 to one flyer on him like that. But if, all of a sudden, if he's minus one or ahead of the cut line, uh, then it definitely changes the calculus. And I wouldn't bet him at 16 because we've seen it this year. I mean, all five winners, right? We've got all five winners this year have been Chevys. It was Ross Chastain at Coda. And then it was, uh, what was the second road course race? It was Sonoma. It was uh, Daniel Suarez, right? And then yep. after that was Tyler Reddick twice. And then it was Larson. And all these guys took the optimal strategy when they got their win. So there was none of these guys doing the let's pit at the end of stage one uh, after the caution. You know, We pitted right before the end of stage one kind of strategy. So... I think the optimal strategy is still going to be the way to go. 
And like I said, it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see how these teams approach this race. And and by interesting, I mean it's probably going to be stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but yeah, um, someone like a uh, like these guys, yeah, the points just make this so weird to to try to bet, um, especially because you know if if someone has an issue early in the race and they have to go for the win. You're like, you can't, you can't predict that. Like if Cindric would have an issue early and then all of a sudden he doesn't have the points to get in without. Yeah. It's just, yeah. then the strategy changes. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, it's going to be something. And I think qualifying is going to be really important this week because obviously that's going to definitely help when it comes to stage wins and, and getting up there and, and, you know, looking up, looking at qualifying odds this week, uh, when it comes to win the pole position, Chase Elliott the favorite, five to one. Reddick six to one. Larson eight to one. Byron nine to one. Anybody catching your eye in these uh, these qualifying odds? I haven't looked at qualifying odds. I never look at qualifying odds. I don't want to bet qualifying. That's not my thing. Um, I, I tried it a couple times, but I, it's not for me because I think people rely too much on. And this isn't a knock on anybody. I think it's like, oh well, let me look at qualifying at similar tracks, and well. That may go well, but it also hasn't like necessarily gone well because all it takes is one lap from somebody unexpected to knock all that off, right? Mm-hmm. And teams are always constantly improving, disimproving, whereas a whole body of work over 300 miles, 400 miles, 500 miles for five or six races is a lot more telling than one or two laps here or there. So for me, as a data guy, I like to have more data and so I tend not to even look at qualifying bets. The only time I really did was this Gregson thing last week when he was 201 uh, right. and got announced as Bowman's replacement. And, you know, I did take a flyer on that this week. I tweeted out about that. Uh, I was very speculative, and this isn't a bet I would recommend to anybody. Uh, this is a bet I would recommend to somebody like uh, people who bet all the time who have the bankroll to do this. I took a very speculative flyer on Mike Rockenfeller to win the race, and I was really hoping, you know, and the reason I partially held out on DraftKings 35-1 to 1 top 10, I was like, well, if DraftKings give me 35, FanDuel might give us 40 because FanDuel tends to lengthen it a little bit, or 37, and uh, maybe Caesars will give us 50 or something stupid uh, to one. I was hoping Rockenfeller would be the replacement for Alex Bowman because he and Hendrick Motorsports – especially Jimmy Johnson and Jeff Gordon are teaming up to do this next gen 56 thing in the Le Mans 24 hours of Le Mans next year. Uh, And they're sponsored by ally, which of course is Alex Bowman's primary sponsor. And so he's primary sponsor is ally in this thing in a next gen car. That's going to be racing in the 24 hour Le Mans and with Hendrick teammates. (laughs) And they're partially the reason why he's in the 77 car. I was like, man, they should just put, especially knowing Bowman's playoff situation, they need to win to advance in the owner's points. I was like, why don't you just put a road course racer, like a a sports car, and these these next-gen cars are designed to be more like sports cars. Racer in that car who's sponsored by you, who's worked with you, give yourself a shot to win the race and advance in the owner's points. But they went with Noah Gregson after Noah Gregson said, I'm not going to be doing any more cup racing. So definitely took a very speculative flyer there. Yeah, I I went with you on that one, and no regrets there because everything you said made sense. Um, especially with Gregson saying he was done for the year, you know. Yeah, absolutely. It's 
But and and I uh, knew there was a chance they would go with Allgaier instead, right? Because Allgaier, Allgaier, I think, is also contractually a HMS like reserve or backup or whatever you want to call it, test driver. Uh, it's not like official similar thing like F1, but certainly I think uh, Gregson and Allgaier are are in the mix there for Hendrick spots. I just thought maybe there would be a chance that Rockenfeller would fill that Hendrick ride. And then they could bring in Josh Blicky to fill in the 77 because Blicky's done all the other road courses aside from the Glen. Uh, and Blicky's over his injury now. I think he had a, a wrist or a thumb or something injury. He's over his injury now because he's running the 44 in the Xfinity series this weekend. So that is a perfect opportunity. Throw Rockenfeller in the 48, see what he can do. Bring in Blicky to ride that 77 he's been with all year and uh, see what happens. So I... The, Westgate was offering him 10,000 to one to win the race. <laughs> so I took that and then I was going to wait out the best top 10 odds and see what I could get before, you know, today, Tuesday, when we're recording this, I was going to see what I could get best odds by like Tuesday morning, midday before uh, any potential announcements came. And unfortunately it was just 25 to one. And I wasn't willing to jump at that at top 10 for Rockefeller. So all I did was the 10,000 to one outright, but I absolutely would have bet like a 40, or, or, or longer top 10 shot on him as well as a pure speculative play. Mm-hmm. I know. I, I think I grabbed him at like whatever bet rivers has him at. I grabbed it and then they had him as top Chevy for 600 to one. So I put a couple there bucks on that as well. Yeah. Um, but like you said, just willing to lose that on on the news breaking the right way, which I'm surprised. That's another reason, by the way, that I think that Bowman won't be racing again this year is because Typically, the, the concussion news doesn't break until later in the week, and this was already like Tuesday yeah. mid-afternoon. I'm like, yeah, this guy's he's done for the season. Like, mm-hmm. it's it is what it is. But um, anybody else catching your eye? You know, we talked about um, Toyota um, struggles on road courses this year. They've gotten a little bit better. Denny Hamlin's really the only uh, Toyota that can that's still in it. You know, Christopher Bell basically needs to win. Hamlin's got a 21 point advantage. He finished fifth here last year. He's been on the pole the last two Charlotte Roval races. Um, could we finally see Toyota being legitimately competitive? I know there's really no way to answer that because they haven't shown it yet this year. But uh, I guess anything's possible. They've definitely made some improvements, and obviously Christopher Bell was in the mix for the Indy win uh, before he blew a tire. I mean, he was leading some laps there, and then I think fell to second or third before he blew a tire. Uh, So I I certainly think it's possible, especially having the Roval compartment of that uh, could help them just because it is an oval, and they've been good at the ovals this year. That's part of it, the track. Um, So yeah, I think there's a possibility, but if I think it's going to be anybody, I think it will be Christopher Bell. Uh, we saw him win, I know, obviously, with the rain and, and all that, the Daytona Roval, and he was very competitive at the Indy Oval Road Course. So if anybody, I think it's going to be Christopher Bell that has the best shot to win. Plus, he's also just guaranteed to be going on you know, what we think is the optimal strategy. Right. Yeah, he's. you can get him at 16-1. to 1. Hamlin, you can get at 18-1 to 1 over at uh, Bat Rivers. He's 12-1 to 1 at DraftKings. Usually don't see that big of a discrepancy, but... Um, that river's definitely offering the best odds. Looks like Caesars hasn't posted yet, or it's not updated on what I'm looking at on the action. I've yeah, had- Caesars has been changing the way they do stuff, so our automated script to pull it in has 
obviously uh, failed to pull it in because they always end up changing how they display NASCAR odds. You know, like sometimes it's under other and then sometimes under this tab and sometimes under that tab. And so it's a pain in the butt for our engineering team here at the Action Network to do that. And uh, so, uh, but we do have race winning odds for Christopher Bell at Caesars. He is 18 to one at Caesars, which I think is the best line out there on him. Uh, yep, that would yep. be. Yeah, I know I opened uh, Caesars app the other day, yesterday I think it was, and I went to NASCAR and I went to uh, Bank of America Roval 400 and it was showing me F1 odds. And I was like, awesome. Yeah. This is they've, awesome. They've been having so many issues with displaying. I mean, we talked about this last week. It's just been it's been rough on, on the Caesars front as far as reliability of of where their odds will be, if they'll be, what bet markets will be there, how to find them, if they're even going to be displayed at all, mobile, web, app, states. I mean, it's just been a mess. Mm-hmm. They also, side note, um, with my player level there, I'm supposed to get a free bet every month, and I did not get it this month, so it sounds like they might be having more issues too. I'm, yeah, just, I'm, not, I'm not having very good luck with different companies right now. No, at all. I'm on a I'm on no. a cold streak, and and with you know uh, MGM, I know that you didn't like the interface change there as well. I certainly uh, wasn't a fan of it either. So it is what it is. Um, but you know that's that's what we have to work with. Correct. Yep. Can't do much about it. They are in control. Um, when it comes to Guys like you know Ross Chastain, Daniel Suarez, you can get them both at fifteen to one. They've, I feel like they've regressed a little bit on road courses since the beginning of the year, though. Do you feel the same way? Yes, uh, I would agree with that. I don't think they've been bad. I mean, top five is totally fine. They just haven't been the dominant force they yeah. were at the start of the season. Yeah, you know those first couple road courses, I was like, holy shit, you know. Trackhouse is going to sweep every single road course unless something happens. But, you know, I think right now they're about seventh to ninth place cars with a good strategy. They can get into the top five, but that's about it. Um, which obviously, yeah, yeah, I think they're probably fifth place cars. I mean, I, I wouldn't say too many are better than them. Um, obviously, if you got Elliot Larson and Reddick, I think are, are probably better. But arguably, the Trackhouse cars could be four or five at these road mm-hmm. courses. Um, I think Daniel Soares finished fifth at the Indy Roval. And Chastain was taking a shortcut almost for a win there after wrecking out twice in the, or whatever earlier in that race. Um, so I think, you know, they've been still pretty competitive at these these road courses. Um, I think they finished four and five or five and six at Road America. So it's not like they've been bad. They've just been fifth place cars, I would say. Yeah, Suarez finished fifth at Watkins Glen and Chastain, I, I, something happened to him, uh, ended up 21st. Kind of looking back at that race, Logano finished third that race. I forgot about that. He won the second stage. I got that. Yeah, that stage win there. Yeah, that was also kind of just a weird race. Cole Custer finished eleventh. Yep. Yeah, that was that rain, and then it dried, and like all sorts of stuff. The whole like the Indy Road. Like I know you keep talking about Indy Road course. I just I I conditioned myself just to completely throw that race away every single year. And I know it's probably not a good thing, but God, like last year we dealt with the just absolute shit show of a race with the turtles and then the track falling apart and just everything else. And then this year 
you know, all that stuff. I mean, when you have Harrison Burton, Todd Gilliland, and Bubba Wallace finishing top five, you know it's fucked up. <laughs> so, so, like, those kind of races, I just completely just go out of my mind. Wasn't like, it, like, and we had Cindric finishing second, and I think that was, like, the first race since, like, 1994 or something, where three rookies finished in the top five. Yeah. Just... <laughs> of course, Indy Road Course. But uh, speaking of Indy Road Course, that is the only road course this year that the pole sitter has won the race. Um, got close at Watkins Glen. Chase Elliott was on the pole at Watkins Glen. He sh- probably should have won. That's the race that Larson knocked him out on that final restart. Um, but something, definitely something to keep an eye on. Like I said, I think qualifying is going to be very important this this weekend. And historically chase elliott is not a great qualifier here at the charlotte road course um his pulling up his stats real quick he has the best average finish of anyone at uh 5.0 starts at eighth second 19th and fourth um obviously not awful but still not you know like that dominant like this was this was during peak chase elliott dominance time so not having any polls or anything is is kind of notable yeah yeah but he does have, you know, stage finishes of first or second in four of the last six stages. And those are – I think that's, like, a bet that I'm definitely going to be looking at is stage win Chase Elliott. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with that, stage one especially. If, if he qualifies, like, fifth or sixth or whatever. You know, where he's been, like you said, second, fourth, eighth, and 19th or something, I would definitely look at a Chase Elliott uh, stage win bet not that it's going to be amazing odds uh, because it's Chase Elliott, and I'm sure they'll have him pretty short anyway. But if he doesn't qualify on the pole, it could lengthen it just enough for us to take that. Uh, I guess the issue would be he's if he's going on the optimal strategy, maybe he's not going for a stage win. So mm, there's always yeah, that to think about. That's true. You know, there's always that to think about. Um, so stage win bets could be interesting just because the playoff drivers we know will be at least some of them will be staying out. Uh, if we can get Joey Logano again at like 20 to one to win a stage or something, I think that's always interesting. Uh, but you know, you're talking about qualifying here, qualifying first at the Charlotte Roval has not been exactly the best thing. Zero pole winners mm-hmm. have won the race here. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's certainly, it's, important but it's not the most important thing ever here there there definitely seems to always be a little bit of like weird shit that happens in this race yeah uh looking at looking at pole sitters over over the four roval races so hamlin was on the pole last year he led 25 laps finished fifth before that it was hamlin again who led zero laps and finished 15th (laughs) byron byron was on the pole here in 2019 he led 23 laps and finished sixth and then Kurt Busch was on the pole here in 2018, finished fifth after leading seven laps. So three of the four races, drivers have finished sixth or better, or fifth or sixth. And then Hamlin, of course, I think he started in the rear of that race, so if I remember right. Yeah, maybe. Because, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's how it was. But don't quote me on that. Or do and tell me I'm wrong. I don't care. <laughs> the whole, uh, you get the point. Like, uh, yeah, these pole sitters have basically finished fifth or sixth or or worse. And uh, so winning the pole here hasn't been amazing. Like I remember 2018, you said it was Kurt Busch on the pole, but like Larson and Keselowski dominated that race until the whole field plowed into turn one on that last, like second yeah. to last restart or whatever. Yeah, I um, remember that so well because. Uh, 
all of the all of the na- or all the driver radios were like, "There's oil on the track. There's oil on the track." And then the broadcast tried to say that all drivers overdrove turn one. Yeah, and that's what like, happened. That there was no oil on the track. The whole field yeah, overdrove yeah. turn one. The Forty yeah. cars overdrove the same corner. What are you? <laughs> God. But yeah, looking at. Uh, Reddick, I'm actually really liking Reddick the more I'm looking into this stuff. Uh, finished 12th here in his first season, finished second here last year, despite starting 16th and 29th. You know, obviously, Reddick has the speed on road courses this year. He should qualify really well. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how. I feel like you have to bet, right? Like, if you're betting this week, I feel like even at 6 to 1. That's why I took him 8 to 1, yeah. Yeah, or if you got him at 8 to 1, you know, that's good. But I think I've even heard six, the argument that Reddick's like, or that team is checked out, but. I mean, they won at Texas. Yeah, after they were eliminated and you know their lame duck status, whatever. Like, I don't think they've checked out. But here's the thing: when it comes to Tyler Reddick, you might not like that you know missed out on eight to one odds, and he's at six now. But when he goes out there and wins the poll or or qualifies top five, yeah. he's gonna go shorter. So now, uh, Elliot closed at like five or five and a half each. I think it was at Indy, and then I think the same thing at Watkins Glen, something like that. So, yeah, six is still probably maybe maybe value on Reddick. Uh, there goes my cat jumping on. This. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if I bet him at six. I was jumping at him at eight though. So, so six and eight is a lot different than sixteen and eighteen. Let's clarify that because. That is a much bigger percentage difference. So uh, six to one means you need to win fourteen percent of the time to break even, whereas eight to one means you need to win eleven point one percent of the time. Eleven point one versus fourteen point three is a three point two percent absolute difference. Whereas whereas uh, sixteen versus eighteen, even though they're two apart still, is. Uh, 5.9% versus 5.3%. So only 0.6% difference absolute. That's a much bigger difference. 3.2 versus 0.6, right? So don't think um, just because 18 or 16 doesn't feel like much of a whatever, you know, big difference. 8 versus 6 is a much bigger difference. You got to be much more picky as you go down into those shorter numbers with what you're betting. So I definitely love Reddick at 8. And at six, I'm like, eh, maybe I'd still bet Elliot at six, but I don't know if I'd bet Reddick at six. But I, you know, it's super close. Hmm. Um, any head to heads you like? Yeah, uh, PJ Walsh wrote up um, an article at Action Network, and I 100% agree with this. I love Daniel Suarez minus 110 over Joey Logano. Those two haven't been close this year at road courses, even. As we say, Logano finished third at the Glen, and maybe Trackhouse has lost it a little bit. The rain came into play there, etc. I think that strategy really helped Logano there. But I would absolutely take Suarez minus one ten over Logano, and they're both kind of in the situation where uh, you know they're six points apart from each other, so probably on the same strategy. Mm-hmm. So I definitely like Suarez minus one ten. Excuse me, over Logano. Uh, which you can get right now at DraftKings. And I already bet that and tracked it myself uh, on the app. I always like I, – I love head-to-heads that like get up to like the plus 140, plus 150 range. And, and this week we're getting Larson plus 140 against Elliott, who's at minus 170 over on DraftKings. But with Elliott locked in, with Larson probably points racing – 
I still don't like that enough to bet it, and it's not really even a, a, a decision, I don't think. You know what? I was just looking at these these. I just mentioned the app here, and I was like, "Oh man, I should look and see how the you know we're doing in the app." I'm up 69 units in NASCAR this year, tracked in the app. Nice. Yeah, so that's pretty good. Uh, I can't can't complain about that. You are up 22 and a half units. So download the Action Network app, Action app, and uh, follow Jordan. Follow myself. Make sure to follow all the action. Uh, action no, they don't all work for action. I'm saying the ones that are verified experts for NASCAR by Action Network. Uh, make sure to follow them all because collectively we are dominating this year. Uh, and you can follow all of our picks there and everything. Um, if you've been doing so this year, you've probably been pretty successful. But, uh, yeah, I really like that Suarez head-to-head. And uh, I think um, right now I'm probably just good – as far as head to heads with just that one, I would love to uh, see what we get after qualifying. But um, yeah, Larson plus 140 versus Elliott, I, I don't think I would take even with that long odds just because Elliott's going to be out in the optimal strategy. Um, Reddick plus 105 versus Elliott, I think I'd rather have Elliott there. Uh, so plus one hundred five seems like fair for Reddick. Um, so, but I wouldn't bet one thirty on minus one thirty on Elliott. So the only head-to-head I think I like is um, is that. Well, actually, you know that that Reddick one minus one thirty over Larson I kind of like just because of the strategy difference. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. I I hate betting minus one thirty. I do too, but especially at the Roval where things can get a little crazy. So I'm probably not doing it, but I think if I had to pick another one, I would pick that one. And I'd love some clarity on the William Byron situation because then I might potentially bet Bell even money over Byron if Byron gets some points refunded. Yeah. It's uh, – I, I actually got a DM last week about – or maybe – I don't know when it was. Uh, but it was about head-to-heads. And I just – it's super rare for me to bet head-to-heads. I don't know about you, but I'd say out of all the all the bets I make in a, in a NASCAR season's time – there's probably five head-to-head bets that I make. I just I don't like them. I I really only I really only like making head-to-head bets when there's like plus odds, and I just I don't I don't know I just don't like them. I understand. It's, no, it's I weird. totally get it. I I actually don't mind taking minus odds at predictable tracks where you know if a driver is minus one twenty-five and he should be minus one seventy-five yeah. or whatever. I have zero problem with that, but it needs to be at more predictable tracks. But actually, I used to – my start in NASCAR betting was grinding out head-to-heads. Um, really? Not just in, in betting, but also in DFS. I was originally more of a better – even though I won some tournaments my first year, I was a much better cash game player uh, than I was a GPP tournament player in DFS. And as a better, I was a, I was a, <laughs> I was a head-to-head matchups better i would grind out head and i even even last year i did a lot of head-to-head betting this year it hasn't been as much uh partially just because it's been so lucrative in the outright market and some of these other alt markets uh but i love head-to-heads i think they're great and my modeling specifically is i would say best for head-to-heads the modeling i do um because it's very hard to capture 
the perfect distribution of every driver, but it's a lot easier to capture their median performance. Yeah. Uh, so capturing ceiling performance is, is, you know, is certainly harder in statistically than to just capture where the median is. Like you can say, okay, well, I got the median down, but what should their distribution be? Um, what should their standard deviation, what should the skew of this distribution be? Is it bimodal? Is it all sorts of statistical terms I could throw out there, but where their median performance is, is really a whole lot easier to predict. And that makes my modeling while it's great for, and don't get me wrong, I'm not putting down my modeling. I think it's fantastic. Uh, it's been very successful this year. Great for everything. The absolute best thing it is for is matchups. And, Right now, there just isn't enough out there for matchups in value. Um, and the other thing I like for betting matchups is I need to feel confident in these bets. So they also need to fall outside of my error bars. Mm-hmm. Um, so even if I have a driver minus 140 and they're giving me minus 130, I might not bet it just because it could be anywhere from minus 125 to minus 160, let's say, uh, in my error bars. So I also need to be outside my error bars if I'm going to want to bet them. Uh, you know, with 95% confidence or whatever, that I think I'm making a good bet here. And it all depends on your risk tolerance. If you want to be 85% confident or 75% confident, that is a good bet. Or 52% confident, that's totally fine. Uh, it's just, you know, absolutely your own risk tolerance. But I love head-to-heads. Uh, just, A, right now there hasn't been enough value at this point in the season especially. Uh, and B outrights have been so lucrative and, and, and things like that, that I think uh, I focus so much more on those this year. I know when I was doing, when I was regularly posting my algorithm predicted finishing order, there was someone that kept that he DM'd me like every week and just absolutely cleaning up on head to head to heads. And I was just never smart enough to, to actually bet on myself, but Suarez over Hamlin, Hamlin's the favorite driver in that matchup. Now that I'm looking at this, I, I feel like, Suarez is a pretty damn good bet there. Minus 105 over Hamlin. Where's this one? I'm not seeing it. DraftKings. Really? I think I would take Suarez minus 105 there. Uh, I like that one almost more than the Lugano one. That's yeah. That's what I was thinking too. Um, I'm, uh, I'm going to bet that after this show. <laughs> if, it, if that opens up on any other book, I will as well. Yeah. But, uh, hey, I think for the first time since Watkins Glen, so looking at our predicted or our predicted winners last week, you had Jones, I had Sindrick. They finished sixth and ninth. Nice. But that was the first time since Watkins Glen that both finished in the top ten that we predicted. Yeah. yeah. Just solid. Um, Just solid. Watkins Glen was also the last time you picked a winner. So who is your winner pick this week for the Charlotte Roval? Uh that's a fucking good question. <laughs> I think it's going to be I just I when you ha- are in the situation Chase Elliott's in. Yep. Uh it's so hard to to throw this away um in my opinion like obviously mistakes can happen and things can happen engines whatever but he's guaranteed to be on the optimal strategy and his top competitors potentially outside of Reddick uh, are going to be potentially points racing, like you know Ross Chastain, Daniel Suarez, uh, Sindrick, Briscoe. They're all going to be points racing. So I like all of them, uh, or I should say I don't like all of them. I like Elliott. I like Reddick. 
I like Almendinger. I think that's part of why books have him set so short, is they know he can go on the optimal strategy here. Mm, but yeah. of those three, it just has to be Chase Elliott. Um, I think he finally grabs his first road course win of the year here this weekend. Wouldn't that be something if he went this whole year without a road course win? I know, especially having, what, five wins now under, under his belt this year and none of them are road courses? Yeah. I uh, Definitely not something I would have predicted to start the year. Definitely can't go wrong with that pick either. I'm going to go Tyler Reddick just because, you know. We're, we're going chalk this week, but I think it makes sense given the strategies that are going to be in play. Yeah. Um, Watkins I certainly Glenn, see Almondinger spoiling this, though. I, I was just about to go Almondinger, but my morals won't let me. So, Hey, I don't hate that. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't hate your morals, I'm saying. I, I'm right there with you. I also, um, I, I wanted to go Byron, but his know, points his points situation scares me. I see he's plus two twenty seven for a top five on Bet Rivers, though. And I really like that bet. Yeah, I I just want the clarity on his situation before I bet him. You know what I mean? Like if, yeah. if they don't give him any points back, I would take that plus two twenty seven or whatever it is because then it's more likely he's going for the win. Um, what's what's Bell's top ten there? Bell's top ten or top uh, five or whatever it was. Top um, five is also plus two twenty seven. So, oh, like yeah, they got too. they got Byron Hamlin, Chastain, Blaney, Bell, Cindric, all at plus two twenty seven for a top five. I don't mind the guys that are on the optimal strategy there. Then they also have Reddick minus one twelve for a top five, which I like. I like that too. Yeah, I mean, they have straight up, they have basically the best top five odds across the board until you get down to Chris Buescher. Best is at DraftKings plus 350. They also have Byron at minus 129 for a top 10. Mm. Ooh, that's that's a good one too. Uh, just, again, clarity on the situation. They got Bowman plus 415. <laughs> I wonder if, if you bet that now if they would still refund it. Or yeah, if I mean, like, I you're too much of an idiot. <laughs> I assume. Well, see, here's the thing. I think books usually are like some of them are split. Um, some of them are must start the race, and some of them are must attempt to qualify. Either way, you'd get your money back. I think, <laughs> but I'm not going to be the one that tests it out. <laughs> Yeah. God, wouldn't that be the <laughs> so dumb? Yeah, that'd be terrible. Um kind of looking through here, uh you know, we always talk about can these these guys I mean we already talked about Rockefeller, but can Joey Hand pull off a top ten? Fifteen to one is the longest. Uh is there any top ten value out there? I know sometimes People will speculate maybe on like somebody like a Ricky Stenhouse at fifteen to one, um, Connor Daly twenty five to one in that uh, in that um, m- the money team car, IndyCar driver who's uh, actually better at ovals than he is at road courses, but he's been much better at road courses this year in IndyCar. Is twenty five to one potential there? I don't know. Just uh, I-, I think at that point it's all speculation and. I have no problem with speculative bet, but my speculation was if you're going to be in Alex Bowman's car, then yeah, 25 to one is great value. Um, so, you know, that was part of what I was thinking about speculating on. I wouldn't say I'm going to speculate on Connor Daly in the money team car when they haven't done anything all year, but uh, 
yeah, I don't know if I really see any value out there. Uh, so I, I, I just strongly feel this week that I just want to have my, my upside bets on the drivers that I know will be on the optimal strategy. And that's Elliot Reddick, Bell, Almendinger, Busher, McDowell, Harvick, you know, those kinds of guys. They're absolutely 100% only got one thing in mind, and that's going for the race win. Yeah, and that's just, like I said, I just, it's hard. It's going to be hard for me to to bet anything significant this week uh, unless I just get the urge to go all in on some of these that I was talking about, like, you know, the buyer, like I really like the Byron lines. Yeah. And just saying, screw it with the you know the what ifs with his um, potential yes, points yes. situation. And I, and I I'm 100 percent there with you. Uh, I'm gonna wait for him. But if you find something that you just absolutely can't pass up, like a 20 to one outright or something, uh, probably would do that even without waiting for the point situation. But at this point, what I'm seeing with Byron, I'm probably just waiting on that point situation to resolve on Thursday. Mm. Is that when the when the Finals coming down Thursday. Hearing supposed to be on Thursday or whatever it is. A um, couple other n- notes and tidbits and stuff like that, uh, which aren't directly NASCAR related. Well, I guess one of them is. But uh, Haley Deegan's going to be running Xfinity at Las Vegas, uh, mm-hmm. and I saw some rumors today that in IndyCar, maybe Jimmy Johnson and Kimi Raikkonen will be splitting that Ganassi ride. Really? Yeah. So I saw some rumors there. That would be super cool. Uh, and then another thing I saw was talk about Project 91 with Jimmy Johnson doing the double. Um, and we all were saying, oh, Project 91, that sounds like the perfect fit. You know, Mark's bought that stuff from Ganassi. Johnson's been racing with Ganassi and IndyCar. And it seems like a good partnership. That when Mark's, I wouldn't say exactly threw cold water on it, but he said that wasn't idealistically what we were looking to do with Project 91. Um, so it sounded certainly sounded like it was more about international drivers, which is what they said in the announcement. But international could still mean a lot of international drivers plus an American driver, and that's capturing the range of nations there. So I wasn't I, I was a little surprised to hear Justin Mark come out and say it wasn't our intention with Project Ninety One, but certainly talks can be had there. So just a few tidbits around the racing world. Uh, in terms of news and notes, anything um, of those catching your attention? Nope. <laughs> <I love it. laughs> Can you tell I'm like 80% checked out on this NASCAR season right now? <laughs> I I actually, um, I'm feeling that way, not just because of NFL, but um, I think we're at the point where like the long shot winners are pretty much toast because they've all happened and books aren't setting these guys at 40 plus yes exactly um unless it's a bad track for them like they're they've got eric jones at 50 this weekend so but nobody's betting eric jones to win a road course at 50 ever so like we're at the point in the season where the value has just been sucked out completely like i think busher killed the rest of the value for the rest of the season other than maybe Bubba at like a Las Vegas or something. Uh, but even then they've been setting him at like 18 or 20 at these mile and a half now. So, Oh, when Bubba got his win. So I forget that I'm, I'm an idiot. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I think the value is just like gone. Maybe, hey, maybe Truex at 12 to one or something at Vegas. I don't know. Eric Jones did finish third here in 2020 and he ran 17th here in the petty car last year. And he's which, had some good finishes at, which at is, road courses this year. 
which has been historically Petty's been awful at road courses. So not to, I'm not saying bet fifty on Jones, but and wasn't it um, Ty Dillon not in a Petty car, but in that Jermaine car? led at like the Daytona Roval in the rain or something on the alternate strategy. <laughs> I think it was here actually, or am I, it, was it, 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 I can't remember. I actually it think it was here. If I remember right. I don't remember which one it was, but um, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, maybe there's some hidden potential with petty here this weekend, but that would be like a top 10 thing. Yeah. Uh, 2020 Ty Dillon led five laps here in one stage one. I'm pretty sure that was the rain yeah. one. Yeah, uh, there was definitely rain that came into play in that. And that's the question. Yeah. I mean, have we even looked at the forecast? I haven't. I'm Googling it right now. Oh, sunny through the rest of time. Nice. Yeah. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, all look sunny or at worst, mostly sunny. Um, You know what kind of sucks is this week is the uh, Fantasy Racing World Championship final. Mm-hmm. And those guys all have to deal with this freaking who's going to be on what strategy. Yep. Like, why oh, couldn't man. they just make it for Las Vegas and invite them all to Vegas? Yeah. Or that do would, it at Phoenix be, or something. Or Remember when DraftKings used to do like live in person championship for NASCAR? Because I do. I was part of that. Uh, I wish they would this do that again. This one's live. Is it? Really? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. They're flying I, I haven't paid down attention I never tried to qualify for those, but. That's why they should do. Then they should do Vegas. Do a mile and a half track, Vegas, whatever, right? Like make dominator stuff matter. Make play uh, points, uh, not points, but like make place differential and finishing position matter. Like make all that stuff. Not that they don't matter here, but like dominator is probably not going to come into play here, really. Like, and then you're guessing on all these different strategies, like which is fine, but I like that a whole lot more when you can do like 150 max. You know, then you can cover like these are the range of strategies I think drivers could have and how I'm going to optimize their percentages on them. Now you get one bullet here, which is why I'd rather have that bullet for something like a Las Vegas because then you can play the game theory part of like, well, if everybody's going to be on this dominator because they think he's blah, 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 whatever. Um, you get my point. I think Vegas would be awesome. Send everybody to Vegas for the Fantasy Racing World Championship, all the finalists. I think that'd be cool as shit. Do it next year, DraftKings. Make it happen. You know what I'd do if I was DraftKings? I would make them all wait until next year's Daytona 500 and then settle it there. <laughs> it's because that'd be diabolical. That's brutal. <laughs> That's brutal. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, it is, but you'd also get a trip to the Daytona 500. So DraftKings sent me on a trip to the Daytona 500 for the 2016 Daytona 500. Uh, not as like a contest or anything. I was just a VIP back then. I played so much volume in. Uh, in everything that whether it was college basketball or NFL or obviously NASCAR uh, and they knew my most volume was in NASCAR so they sent me to the Daytona 500 got to hang out with Stevie Young Stevie TPFL uh, from Roto Grinders and uh, watch Denny Hamlin beat Martin Truex Jr. to the line by like point zero zero one mm. seconds or something that was um, a good year. coolest experience ever uh, just it, you know I was like right down there in the pits when they were all coming to the finish line, we were in the 43 pit, which, of course, was Almirola, who ended up fucking me over and costing me the whole goddamn $200,000 for first prize because uh, I was leading going into the final lap. I was literally winning the $200,000 while splitting it with somebody else, but we were splitting first and second. 
So we each had one hundred fifty thousand dollars, and then I had under a bunch of other good lineups for like over two hundred thousand. Um, and Almirola gained a few spots and ended up passing Jimmy Johnson. And I didn't have as much Almirola, and, and specifically in that one lineup, I didn't have Almirola, and I had Johnson. And their flipping moved me from first to like sixth or eighth or whatever it was, uh, and ended up only making like you know, air quote only making like thirty thousand on the weekend or something uh, instead of two hundred thousand dollars. But uh, that was super fun. I was in the 43 pit, but right next to the 43 pit was the 11 pit. And so it was like, we're all just like waiting. And I know it was only one or two seconds tops where they crossed the line and we didn't know who won. But that moment frozen in time felt like forever. I thought we were waiting like it must have, to me, it must have felt like 30 seconds. We were like, who won? But watching it back, it was like one or two seconds. And all of a sudden, the Hamlin crew just erupts, you know, because we weren't sure if Truex or Hamlin won. They're just like, yeah. And it was just, oh, my God, I get goosebumps thinking about it. That's It was so, it was the coolest thing. Like, literally the closest Daytona 500 finish in history. And I was there for it as a guest of DraftKings, right next to the pit of the driver that won and in the pit of the driver that cost me $150,000 or $170,000. So, uh, yeah, that sucked. But, I mean, I was yeah. awesome. But that part sucked, the losing that. you know, I mean, I still made money, but what could have been? Uh, and uh, the other person I was tied with, his name is Aaron Jones, uh, not the NFL Aaron Jones. Uh, but uh, Aaron Jones is actually uh, a guy that did a lot of poker playing and um, – NBA DFS especially specialized in, but in those early years, 2015, 2016, uh, also crushed NASCAR DFS uh, with me as well. That must have been the time when DraftKings actually gave a shit about the people that play on there. Yeah. Wouldn't know anything Back about in the day. that. Yeah. A.E. Jones Lego with two Gs. Mm. Like, let's go. A.E. Jones think, Lego on I Twitter. I, I think I've seen that. I think I've seen him play DFS before. That yeah. name, that name sticks out. So he, but, and uh, had, he and I had the like a, a that lineup. We had the same lineup somehow, um, and uh, we were sitting there in first place, and that was brutal. <laughs> hmm. uh, looking back, the last cutoff race, our predictions for who was going to make it, we both got two right on who was going to who's going to drop out. So we like I said we get a free space this time with Bowman. Who are your four out heading into the round of 8? Who are my four out heading into the round of 8? Well, obviously Bowman's out, that's the free square. I don't think Bell's going to win this. So it's almost like free square number 2. It's tough to say what'll happen with Byron. Um and then it comes down to like Cindric versus Briscoe or somebody having a problem. I'm going to say Cindric finishes better than Briscoe. So I'm going to put Cindric in and Briscoe out. And then it's a question of will anybody have enough problems where they finish behind Byron and Cindric? And, you know, at this point, you're just hoping to get lucky. But I think the driver that's in the most danger is either Hamlin or Logano. Uh, and you know what team's been having a lot of problems? Toyotas. So I'm going to say Hamlin is out. So my four out are Bowman, Bell, Briscoe, and Hamlin. 
Even though I think Denny Hamlin has a very good shot to do really good things and make the Final Four, I think there's been enough problems with Toyota, and they haven't been good enough at road courses this year. Hamlin's out. You read my mind because that's what I was going to do. My first three I wrote down, Bowman, Bell, Briscoe. Um, So just to be different than you, I'm going to go Cindric's out as well. So I got... You have Bowman, Bell, Briscoe, Hamlin. I got Bowman, Bell, Briscoe, Cindric. Makes sense. Definitely makes yeah. sense. Nothing too and exciting. I guarantee you neither of us will be right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> These races, you never know what the hell is going to happen. It's going to end up like Blaney. Yeah, somehow or, or somehow they'll you know look at Chase Elliott's car from Talladega and disqualify him. <laughs> yeah. All right. I don't have anything else this week. Uh, Random fantasy. Oh, yeah. What are we? What do we got there? I think you got the uh, 41, if I remember correctly. Cold custard. It's not a bad one for this track. For, I think he finished for, like 11th here last year. If you're going to get custard, like you want to get them at road courses probably these days. Even more so than super speedways. Like this is probably where you want Cole Custer, Cole Custer if you're going to get him in random fantasy. And then you had the opposite number. Yeah. So you had the 41, and I had the 1-4-14 of Chase Briscoe, which, again, if you're going to get Chase Briscoe, this is one of the better tracks you could get him at. Um, and with the way the random fantasy scoring works, they take in the stage points into account. So I actually think this is a very good situation for me. Which means I definitely think Chase Briscoe is not advancing because he is dock blocked. <laughs> uh, yeah, Chase Briscoe is dock blocked this week. We don't have a Jordan Jinx yet, do we? Uh, it would have to be Rockefeller. But technically, Rockefeller. That's right, because yeah. you threw that what twenty five hundred to one or whatever out, uh, flyer on that on the outright. They take stage points into account on random. I believe so. I don't think they do. I would, I would think they might. I'm gonna go look. I'm gonna go look now because man, yeah. these standings are crazy too. Um, I I I swear they must. Maybe not. Maybe not. I don't know. That's a good question. I believe they do. Um, I will, I will make a note to message, what's his face? Steve Lavender. All it takes is for me to like search through and find one where I got like more points than I expected because my driver finished poorly, but grabbed stage points. I just don't know if I've seen that, but, um, standings currently deep brocious leads, uh, with 925 points. Second place is 25 points back. That's like half a race. Do you see who the leader has this week, though? Who do they have this week? I'm scrolling down. Oh, no. <laughs> they got Cody Ware being replaced by J.J. Yaley. Oh. oh, and the second place guy has the 78. So they both got shit boxes. Oh, shit. This is going to rubber band the field, potentially. Third place has 
Gilly Gang. Gilly Gang. Oh shit. This this might open up the door for fourth place, which is Mern. I've seen them on Twitter. Uh they got the three of Austin Dillon, which isn't amazing, but Dillon's been relatively consistent in the teens there. Um Fifth place has the seventy eight as well. Sixth oh, place sixth place hasn't made a pick yet. Seventh has True X. That's not I'm waiting, bad. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for like the first one to have Elliot or um, Redick. Uh, not eighth. Yeah, we need a... uh, Ninth has the number one, which would be Chastain. Tenth has the forty-two. Chastain's not a bad one. Twelfth has the forty-three. Eleventh has the fourteen, like I do. Or thirteen. Yeah, all these people haven't made the their pick yet. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, and uh, the current winner—I shouldn't say winner—the current leader of the standings only has one win this year. If you go down to fifteenth place, they have five wins this year. That's insane. Five wins, but they're fifteenth in the standings. They did miss one race, but that still wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, they're more than a hundred points back. They're one hundred nine points back of the leader. Uh, but that's like a you know that's a like a a year of like you could expect somebody like a Larson to have where they just win a bunch of races and DNF a bunch of races. <laughs> so, so I think the most wins this year is five. There's somebody else who has five wins, but they missed three races. So they have five wins and twenty eight starts. That's crazy. Um, that definitely takes into account stage points because the uh. The guy with five wins had Elliott at Talladega, and he got 58 points. So, Yeah, makes sense then. Then it definitely includes stage points. Yeah, uh, the person who is in – where'd it go? 70th in the standings has five wins and 28 starts. Dude, I have one – I'm freaking Matt Benedetto, Daniel Hemrick here. I've got one win and – 190 <laughs> starts, whatever it is. You know, these these guys who are not good at racing, but people think they are. Uh, that, that's me for random fantasy. That, uh, the guy in seventh place overall, he missed one race. He's still in seventh. And the guy in tenth missed one race, and he's still in seventh. That's wild. All right, let's look at these influencer cup standings. I'm in ninth place still. I am 12 places to the good on 10th and 26 places to the good on falling outside of the top 10. The goal is to finish in the top 10. I'd love to obviously gain another place in the standings. Probably two is a little too much to ask for because two places ahead of me is 53-53. But uh, I'd love to grab eighth place, um, but I definitely don't want to fall out of the top 10. So maybe I will just start spamming my link this week. <laughs> just constantly just keep to, doing uh, it. Just, you got to play random fantasy and use my link. Let's, let's get me into the top eight. I remember I was top six or whatever it was last year in the standings for the worst performance of everybody who did every race. Uh, so that was cool. And, and this year I'm in the top 10. So I need back to back top 10 finishes in one of the categories. Jordan, you're in 688th place, almost 690th place. Man, that would have been so nice. Um, but you're in 688th place in the overall standings. I am in 233rd place. So I've got uh, 
a little bit better performance than you this year. I know you missed what one race. Yeah, I missed a race. But I've also so gotten I, I've gotten BJ McLeod like eighteen times this year. So you know what? I just looked at this Roto Dog, my dog, has made twelve starts this year and has one win. He's got as many wins in one, in twelve starts as I have in more like fifteen times that many starts. He got uh, Tyler Reddick at the Indy Road Course. Roto Dog did. Very interesting. Well, um, yeah, I think that's about it for this episode. Yeah, I don't. Uh, road course races road are always racing. pretty short. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Vegas will be interesting next week. And then after that is Homestead, I believe. Yeah. That's going to be, that's going to be interesting. I got, and I'm going to have Martin's some thoughts in these next few races. I'm going to have some bets and some thoughts in these next few races. So y'all better keep tuning in. I like, I like Homestead. I like the oh, highway tracks. Me too. Me too. But I have, I have some, some thoughts coming up in these next few weeks. <laughs> I'm excited. That's funny. All right. That's going to do it for us. We'll talk to you next week when we start the round of eight at Las Vegas, the greatest city in the world. Yes, Until sir. then, though, we'll see you later.